This is the sacred time in our week when we close our mouths and we sit under the preaching of the word. Typically, this is done by one of the pastors in the life of our church. But today we got a super delightful special Sunday for this. So in March, April, we met a church out in Fitchburg, Mass., an hour that way, in a tough spot trying to figure out how do we move forward from our history into our future. And so we've been talking, invited into a conversation with them about well, what it would look like for this church to kind of end its life in a way that it becomes the seed to a new beautiful gospel work in this needy city. And so you know that we're talking and praying and seeing where, if anything, will happen with that. Well, the young man who's been driving ministry in the life of that church for that congregation in this difficult season is here with us today. His name's Johnny, his wife Brianna, his son Josiah. Kids slept the whole way here, so he's totally ready to listen to his dad preach. We wanted him to come just so that you could meet him and hear his voice and hear his story. We don't know what the future holds, but it may include serious partnership in the city of Fitchburg for the good of the gospel and want to take every chance this summer for you to be invited into that. Um, just one thing about Johnny and then I'll let him come tell you his story. So what he has been invited into is very difficult. He is 27. This church is trying to figure out its future. He has been trying to love and serve and gospel them while holding his other hand where are we going to be? What is my future? How am I going to be used by Jesus? And he's done it beautifully. I just have this picture of the Sunday that we went out there. So I get there. He's preaching. He's also running audio on an iPad to make sure that that goes well. And he does that somehow with all of his heart. And then it's that hour and a half question and answer session they did with us. And he runs up to the balcony and stays and makes sure that everything goes well with the video and the audio. And he talks a guy down off a ledge. Now, he wasn't going to jump off the balcony. Some guy was having a hard time with what was happening. And this young man tenderly but strongly and firmly loves him. And then, after all that work, do you know what he does at the end of the day? I watched this man take this blue-eyed, red-headed baby boy into his arms, hold him. The kid got rid of like dinner, breakfast, and lunch all at the same time in his diaper. You know how that happens? All of it. And Johnny just calmly puts him on the stage, changes his diaper, puts his clothes back on him, puts him in his car seat, and gets ready to lead his family home. And I was like, what is going on? This kid has been hustling and being a good pastor and a good husband and a good father and a good friend to me who had to answer these questions in a somewhat difficult setting. And I'm just like, I love this kid. And so I want you to feel that from me because I was there for it. Allow him to tell you his story and to open some words from Philippians today and just be free to receive and to be prayerful for them because we don't know where any of this is going. But we want our church to be at the very least, a memory of grace in a season with a lot of difficulty. You got all that? All right, he's going to come up and preach. I'm going to give him a music stand. Let's do it. It's so good to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, 
My wife and I have been very much looking forward to being here and meeting some of you guys since Matt asked us to come out last month in July. And the reason we've been so excited is because while we haven't met the majority of you guys here, we've felt your support, your love, your encouragement, your prayers. And so it was just nice to finally be here and see you all and see this work that you guys have done here in Melrose. And uh, so we're just so grateful for all of you. Uh, So this morning, I just honestly just want to tell you how I got all the way up to Fitchburg, you know, how God has worked in my life, how I came to know Christ, and and, and tie that in with what you guys are going through a little bit in Philippians. Um, So I didn't grow up in in a Christian home. Right? Uh, but I did grow up with Christian influences. Uh, my mother, she grew up in a very strict Pentecostal home. When I say very strict, I mean, you know, skirt all the time, can't cut your hair, you just got to sit in church and behave. Uh, that's how she grew up. Uh, my father, a little bit different, he grew up in a more of a Catholic upbringing. Still very strict at home, very strong mother figures, but that was his upbringing. So growing up as a child, we, we didn't really go to church. Uh, But I always believed that there was a God, and I even knew about Jesus Christ, right? I knew he existed, uh, but I didn't know why he died on the cross. I didn't know how that impacted me in my life. I didn't know what was the purpose of it, but I knew he was there, and I believed in God. Um, So like I said, we didn't really go to church as a family. Um, You know, Sundays were just kind of to sleep in, you know, have late breakfast, brunch, and, uh, you know, watch cartoons, do whatever you wanted to do. Uh, every now and then we did go to a service, right? Um, but when I was a kid, I, I honestly just didn't enjoy going to church, right? The few times we did go, to me, uh, the people were weird. <laughs> uh, the service was way too long. I had to dress up on a Sunday. The music was different, really loud. Uh, and I thought the idea of Sunday school, to me, as a kid, was lame. Why am I going to go to school on Sunday when I'm already going to, go, going to school five days a week? And on top of this, this Sunday school at this particular church we used to go to actually gave us homework to do during the week. So, yeah, I wasn't feeling it. wasn't feeling it at all. <laughs> so fast forward to a few years. I'm 14 years old. Uh, as a teenager, trying to find my identity, trying to find, you know, how, how am I going to live up to my friends, my expectations, how am I going to, you know, remain cool, all those things that a 14-year-old is thinking about. And so my aunt, which is my mother's sister, um, her and her family, they moved back to Massachusetts from Florida. Um, she had gotten diagnosed with lupus, and so they wanted to come back because here in Boston, you know, we have the some of the best medical facilities, hospitals, and, and doctors. So she wanted to make sure she was back here with family, make sure she got the best possible medical care. And God used them in a great way. Because during their time in Florida, they had placed their faith in Christ. They started going to a church, attending. They had given their lives completely to Christ at that time. So when they came back to Massachusetts, they had a huge impact on me and my family. Uh, they started attending a small little Baptist church out in Dedham, Mass., not too far from here. And so naturally, we, they invited us, and so we, we started going to the same church out in Dedham. 
uh, on a more regular basis as a, as a family. And I remember one evening uh, while I was at church, my aunt asked me a very simple question that would end up for me being like Pandora's box, just, you know, being, being opened, would change my life forever in a good way. So she asked me, Johnny, if, if you were to die today, and you were standing in front of God, and if God asked you, Johnny, why should I let you into my heaven, what would your response to him be? Right? So I was going to answer the question, but I already knew I, I, I had no idea, so I was going to be completely wrong, but I couldn't sit there as a 14-year-old and say, I have no idea, I never thought about this. So my response was, was pretty typical, what most people would probably say. Uh, as long as I'm a good person, and God sees me as good, then I should be all set, right? He should open the pearly gates. I'm good to go. And uh, so that night she explained to me, no, that's actually uh, not the case because none of us are good. All of us have sinned against God. And that's why God has sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. That Jesus that I knew about. She was now explaining to me that he paid the penalty for my sin because the wages of my sin was death, eternal separation from God. And so God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come into the world, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, to pay for my sin. So at this point, all I, what I have to do is simply place my faith in him, in what he's done, in who he is. I can't, I can't earn my way into heaven. I simply have to believe and trust in Jesus Christ. So me, honestly, the light bulb went off my head. Wow, that makes perfect sense but I'm not going to do it. No thanks. Not going to do it. And you might be asking why. If I understood this and it all makes sense to me the very first time, the reason I, I would tell you this morning is because I wasn't ready to change my lifestyle. As a 14-year-old, I understood that if I placed my faith in Jesus Christ, I would have to start changing some things in my life. Certain, certain things that I was doing, thinking, my language, my, my priorities in life, those things would all have to change, and I wasn't ready to give that up as a 14-year-old teenager. I had other things on my mind, other things that I deemed more important than, than living for Jesus. That's something I'll, I'll get to at some point. When I get older, you know, I'll be a responsible adult, but not at that time. I wasn't ready to, to give up my sinful lifestyle. So, for an entire year, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding, literally every day for an entire year, I grappled with the thought of dying without placing my faith in Jesus Christ. Every, I, I used to go to bed terrified because I knew what would happen if I didn't place my faith in Jesus Christ. I would be eternally separated from God. So, but yet my heart still wasn't ready to give up my sin. That's just, the, that's just the human nature. That's our flesh, right? It was just a constant battle for me for an entire year. But eventually on the evening of August 13, 2006, all that changed. Now my church, the Small Baptist Church in Dedham at the time, they hosted an event called Neighborhood Bible Time. We had a, a speaker come in, and he was working with all the teens in the neighborhood and in the church. And on the first night, he spoke about uh, the story that Jesus told the disciples of the rich man and Lazarus, right? Luke chapter 16. And just re really quickly, both men died, but they ended up in different places, right? Lazarus 
found himself in paradise, while the rich man found himself being tormented in Hades. Right? Let me, uh, let me read um, verses 24 down to 26 for you. It says, this is the rich man. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf affixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass us. That passage of scripture helped me to realize that my sin was leading me down a path that I wanted no part of. But I was deceiving myself. I didn't really understand that. But that night, the word became so clear to me. And God showed me, yes, as a 14-year-old kid, it's time for you to make the, the most important decision of your life. And that's to put your faith in me, in Jesus Christ. And so that's what I did that night. And my life hasn't been the same since. Um, fast forward a little bit more. I ended up going to uh, Boston Baptist College right here in Hyde Park, Massachusetts. Got my four-year Bible degree. Um, that's where I met my wife, uh, Brianna. That's where I met um, my good friends, Quentin and Tim, who are right here with us this morning. And so I'm at ba Boston Baptist College. I graduate. My wife and I uh, started dating. Uh, we dated for about year and a half, almost two years before eventually we got married. But I specifically remember, right? So my senior year's over. It's summertime. And so I need to make my way up to Vermont. Uh, my wife was living in a very small uh, city in Vermont, Virgin's, literally one square mile. So I had to visit her that summer because I needed to ask her parents permission to officially date her so she could be my girlfriend, right? So I worked hard. I had to get a new transmission for my car. It was like two grand. So I, I took every shift that I could that summer, got my transmission, took a four-hour drive um, from, from uh, Hyde Park, where I was living at the time, all the way to Vermont, got near my destination, and I had to stop and get gas. I've been driving for four hours at this point, nonstop. And so I don't know if any of you guys have been to Vermont in, like, July or June. I can't remember what month it is. I think it was June. But I got out of the car to get gas and smelled the most putrid, horrible smell of that manure fertilizer that the farmers use for all their crops. And I think I literally said to myself in that moment, God, you better not call me to plant a church in Vermont or anything because I'm not coming. I am not dealing with this every summer. This is not for city folk like me. <laughs> but anyway, we dated for about two years, got married August 27th. 2016, and that was just the beginning of this incredible journey that God had for us, which currently has us doing ministry in Fitchburg. So after we got married, we continued to serve together in a small Baptist church in Belmont, not too far from here. I was doing music ministry, teaching, preaching. Uh, Brianna was heavily involved in children's ministry. She was doing music along with me. The goal and the future uh, vision for this church was to have me and uh, my longtime ministry partner and, and partner in crime, Tim Robinson, here. We were supposed to, you know, really take over this church when the pastor retired and continue the ministry there. So needless to say, we are comfortable, very comfortable with where we're at. 
excited for the future. But God apparently had very different plans. So God led Tim, uh, Q, myself, my family, Tim's family, uh, away to Fitchburg to plant a church. Um, so that's what we did the spring of 2017. And that was very, a very difficult time for us because it was exciting, but it was hard leaving our comfort, leaving, uh, leaving our stability, right? We, we had a future at this church, but God had a different plan. So it, it was tough. It was, it was exciting, but it was also heart-wrenching at the same time. To make a long story short, we eventually, in, while we were in Fitchburg, we merged with an existing church in the city, Highland Baptist Church, which is where we're at right now, in 2019. Um, our experience in Fitchburg, it, it was, I'm not going to lie to you, it was up and down all the time, right? One week it was exciting, then tough. Then fun, then sad, then joyful, then sorrowful. Right? Some days we were absolutely sure that God wanted us in Fitchburg, and other days we felt like we were completely in over our heads. Right? Some days it felt as though we were defeating the forces of evil with just a squirt gun in hand, and then other days it seemed like the Holy Spirit just wasn't working. Some days we felt smart, like we knew what we were doing, and other days we wondered if our college should have, should have actually withheld our diplomas. We were definitely not an Instagram sensation church by any means. But we were a group of people dedicated to the gospel, to the ministry of the local church, and to the city of Fitchburg. So we merged with Highland Baptist Church in Fitchburg 2019. Tim uh, had been preaching there for a while. Um, they needed a pastor. Their interim pastor was stepping down. So he had been preaching there for a while, getting to really know the people, what was going on. I had preached there myself, visited. We had combined church services together. And they were in need of a pastor. And we, as a small little church plant in a storefront in Fitchburg, we were in, in honestly in need of more helping hands and a place to meet, right? Our lease was ending. Storefronts in Fitchburg are not glamorous at all, like at all. You, you, wouldn't, even, you want, wouldn't even want to live there, right? I think at one point when we first started meeting, we didn't even have heat, Right? The, the landlord, landlords in Fitchburg, they don't always want to do what they're supposed to do to you know, upkeep properties and stuff. So you almost have to grovel and beg for them to do anything. So we're in a small storefront, not glamorous at all. And apartments get really small really quickly. Right? So we merged and we did, we did some great things, but unfortunately just didn't unfold um, as we would have liked it to. Uh, I don't have the time to get into all the nitty-gritty details of everything, but things just got to a point where uh, my buddy Tim, uh, the pastor, just had to leave. It was no longer a good fit or a healthy scenario for him and his family to be in. Totally backed him on that 100%. We prayed about it, talked about it, and, and that's what we felt was best for the church and for him. So that happened the week before the state went into lockdown. We had no idea what was going to be happening the following week. That's just the way it happened, right? So Pastor Tim lets the church know he's leaving. We go into lockdown. We're forced to now worship from home. Uh, so my wife and I, you know, I step in. Um, that was always the plan from the beginning. Um, 
we're doing our best to just continue ministry and service at Highland Baptist Church and Fitchburg. We firmly believe that God still wants us in Fitchburg, and we want to be where he ultimately wants us. And we believe that God still has more work to be done in that city. Um, so I understand you all are going through the book of Philippians, great book, and you're at a very powerful and, and, and impactful section in Philippians 6, um, which reads, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Such a powerful, powerful text. And I don't have the time to really dig deep into this passage this morning, but I do want to make a couple of comments that I hope will encourage you and strengthen you this morning. So I'll first admit, this passage is a lot easier said than done, right? So much easier said than done. But it's so important. Brianna and myself, we've been there on so many times in this journey so far. And what I can tell you this morning is God has always brought us through. One of the best and most daunting opportunities that, have, that um, was presented to us while doing ministry in Fitchburg was we had the opportunity and we took it to take in two foster children. Uh, we always wanted to eventually get involved in the foster care system and, and adopt children in the future, but, you know, we wanted to be more settled, have our own children, but again, God's times table was completely different, right? We were given this opportunity. We were scared. We were very anxious. We, had, we didn't know how to take care of a child, right? But we were, we were asked, would you take this child? Her name was Joy. She was a year and a half old. She needed to be with a family. So we took her in thinking it was just going to be a short-term thing, ended up being a very long-term thing. All right, so we took her in in uh, June of 2016. She's a year and a half old, beautiful kid, great kid. Brianna and I are learning how to be parents on the fly. We didn't have anything, crib, clothes, nothing. But God just worked in such a great way. He brought people around us. Uh, Brianna's mom came down with a whole van load of stuff from Vermont, uh, our church rallied around us and helped us. I remember Tim's at the time, right, DCF promised that they would give child care, but then they, you know, after they gave us joy, they're like, oh, sorry, we really can't help you anymore, you know, kind of set us up. So I remember Tim's wife just being so awesome and gracious and, and watching joy for us while we had to go to work um, for a period of time. Eight months later, we get a call from DCF. Joy now has a little brother, unbeknownst to us, but he was just born. Would you guys take him? So like, whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute. It's enough to just have a, a child who's a year and a half. Now we have to have a newborn. And my wife and I, we, we prayed about it. We talked to people and we just felt like God has given us an opportunity to do something great. And we understand it's going to be completely difficult. We have no idea how we're going to get through it. But he's put us in the scenario for a reason. So we took him in. Seven weeks old. And, uh, and God, during that time we had them, God grew us and taught us so much during that time as foster parents. He brought us closer to him in ways that would not have happened if it weren't for us taking those two children. And so we were actually on track to adopt them both 
but things um, actually changed with DCF, and the kids ended up being sent back home with their biological mother this past February. February 27th, we put them in the car, we watched them drive away, not knowing if we'd see them again. And I'll tell you, that was probably the most painful thing my wife and I ever had to do. Completely devastated, upset. We knew that God, you know, he wasn't surprised by that. Our prayer had been that we could keep the kids, but again, God had a different plan. But that doesn't mean we weren't upset about it, right? And I remember praying to God, right? My wife was pregnant at the time with our son Josiah. He was supposed to be due uh, March 11th. And I remember when the day after the kids left, we were just so sorrowful. And I remember praying to God, God, could you allow us to have our son a little bit early, right? I just, I need to be a dad again. So he did. Two days after our kids left, God blessed us and allowed us to have our, our baby boy, Josiah. And uh, it was a little early, but I think God allowed us and he, he spared us that. And so we had his name picked out way before we even thought about having kids. We always said, if we're going to have a son, his name's going to be Josiah. And after we was born, you think we would have done this like before we picked out the name? But after Josiah was born, we found out that his name actually means Jehovah has healed. Jehovah has healed. It came at the perfect time because we were so hurting. And he brought so much healing and joy back into our lives. We get to be parents again. So to us, that was God letting us know, you are exactly where I intended you to be. Nothing is surprising me. I'm using all these things. So that was our moment that, yeah, God's got it. He's got it in the bag. So as we continue to mature in our life and ministry, I can say that this passage does become a little bit easier to do, right? We've not always received the outcome that we've wanted or prayed about for things, but we know that just means that God has something better. He, God has something better in store than we can ever imagine. I love Romans 8.28. I'm going to open there quickly and read this because I think it goes so beautifully with this passage. Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So this morning, I just want to encourage you. I don't know what you guys may be going through on an individual level. Maybe you're in a season of anxiety. You have some big decisions, big things coming up. You don't know what's, what the future holds. I can at least encourage you with my experience. God has never let us down. He has brought us through every experience. He has showed us that nothing surprises him. And from the scriptures, we know that all things work together for good. But in Philippians, we do have to do a couple of things in order to have this peace that surpasses all understanding. Right? We are to choose. That's a, that's a choice that we all have to, have to make. To pray and to give thanks, right? I think that's very interesting that God tells us in the midst of anxious moments to take time to give thanks. And I believe that's why eight, Romans 8.28 goes so perfectly. Why can we continue to give thanks and not be anxious about these things? It's because he's working everything together for his good all the time. 
So when we do that, when we choose to not be anxious, but rather to pray and to give thanks and, and to draw closer to God, that's when you will experience that supernatural peace and God will make you better in the end and he will use whatever the situation is to accomplish so much good, so much more than we can ever imagine. So at this time, God really has us in a, uh, a, a sticky situation right now in Fitchburg. But you know what? We've gone through so much, we ain't worried about it. If we can't be anxious about it, that's not going to do anything. God has already got us to this point. We know we're exactly where he wants us to be, and we know he's going to continue um, to lead us. We thank you guys so much for your, for your consistent prayer, support, and love. We honestly, we can just, without even meeting you, we felt it. And we're just so appreciative of that and, uh, and the relationship that we've started. So um, let me pray for us this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word that is so powerful and sharp, that challenges us and convicts us, Lord, and opens our eyes to, to who you are, gives us guidance and wisdom for life, gives us hope. Lord, thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be anxious for anything. Thank you for that, that supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding in, in, in life's toughest moments. Thank you, Lord, that you're always working everything together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Thank you, Lord, that you're accomplishing things better than we can ever imagine. Most importantly, Lord, thank you for Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. Lord, you didn't have to do that, but out of your mercy and love and just who you are, your character, you wanted to draw us to yourself. You wanted to find a way, Lord, you did find a way to pay the price for our sins. That's through Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we thank you that even though being a follower of you is not the easiest thing in the world. Lord, it's always worth it. And you never leave us. You never forsake us. So we just thank you for that opportunity and privilege of being in your word and the power of your Holy Spirit this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's practice those words of scripture together before we come to the table. Here's the command, the invitation. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, just make your requests known to the Lord. So just get in your mind whatever the number one thing would be that your heart would race over, that you would lose sleep over in this season right now. Let's just take a minute quietly and let's just take it to our Father. That's what he wants us to do. And in his grace, he meets us in that space. Let's do that. Because we have the Spirit of God, you can walk free into this week, trusting Him. Just let the punches roll, knowing that He is for you. He wants us to not be handcuffed by worry and worry and worry and worry and worry. I'm also going to pause one more time just to pray for this church out there that's a part of this morning. 
I'm on the phone with folks who are stressed out about what's going to happen in the next month or so there. So let's just make our requests very specifically known to God for them in this moment. Christ, you are the head of your church. That means you're the head of Highland Baptist Church. We know that there is a church universal and invisible and unshakable. Then there's also visible local churches and they have life spans. We know that. I pray that you would be with this church as she thinks about this season and what's best. I pray very specifically for the older saints there who are worried of what they will lose stepping into a different future than they expected. And I re request of you that you would give them vision and peace and comfort and clarity of mind. And I pray that somehow you would work in this space, in these weeks and months, what would be best for them and for the mission of God in Fitchburg. It's easy to be stressed about it. We just lay it down in prayer to you and trust you with it. And that's the best place to be, the best place. Hear our prayer, be answering, be answering. We trust you, we trust you.
Let's practice those words of scripture together before we come to the table. Here's the command, the invitation. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, just make your requests known to the Lord. So just get in your mind whatever the number one thing would be that your heart would race over, that you would lose sleep over in this season right now. Let's just take a minute quietly and let's just take it to our Father. That's what he wants us to do. And in his grace, he meets us in that space. Let's do that. Because we have the Spirit of God, you can walk free into this week, trusting Him. Just let the punches roll, knowing that He is for you. He wants us to not be handcuffed by worry and worry and worry and worry and worry. I'm also going to pause one more time just to pray for this church out there. That's a part of this morning. I'm on the phone with folks who are stressed out about what's going to happen in the next month or so there. So let's just make our requests very specifically known to God for them in this moment. Christ, you are the head of your church. That means you're the head of Highland Baptist Church. We know that there is a church universal and invisible and unshakable. Then there's also visible local churches and they have life spans. We know that. I pray that you would be with this church as she thinks about this season and what's best. I pray very specifically for the older saints there who are worried of what they will lose stepping into a different future than they expected. And I re request of you that you would give them vision and peace and comfort and clarity of mind. And I pray that somehow you would work in this space, in these weeks and months, what would be best for them and for the mission of God in Fitchburg? It's easy to be stressed about it. We just lay it down in prayer to you and trust you with it. And that's the best place to be, the best place. Hear our prayer, be answering, be answering. We trust you, we trust you, amen.